0: This is The Boys Podcast from TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about The Boys, Season 2, Episode 2, Proper Preparation and Planning. See,
1: sometimes it's hard, Ryan, being superior to every single other person on the planet. It's, It's isolating. And gods should not have to feel that kind of pain. Because... Is what we are, Ryan. You and me were gods.
0: Welcome back, fellow boys and girls. We're on to the second episode of Season 2 of The Boys, Proper Preparation and Planning. Say that three times fast. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello
2: there, fellow voiceiest voits in all of Voight. Uh, <laughs> I am one of your other hosts, John,
3: And rounding out this trio of godly podcasters, much like Homelander, I am a god among men. I am, Chris. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> must be so difficult being better than every single other person in the world,
2: Chris.
3: Well, cleanliness is next to godliness. (laughs) I I suppose I'm clean. (laughs) I will
2: clean this house today. I will (laughs) clean this house today.
3: Luckily, during lockdown, my OCD has gone into overdrive, so everything is spotless. Yeah. I'm... Aside from my apparent rage and uh, taste of milk.
0: Oh no! Oh no! You don't want to talk about taste of <laughs> milk <and> connecting <laughs> yourself with uh, with Homelander, Chris. Definitely not after the last episode. He
2: certainly oh, has no. a milk fetish, whether it be from dairy mm-hmm. or whether it be from uh, female. Humans. Okay, yeah, we talked about that a lot last time. We're not going to talk about it anymore (laughs) because I can't get that
0: image out of my head. What I do hate about COVID is that we haven't had Chris coming over to visit us and uh, clean our house (laughs) since he's been since he's cleaned his house about four times uh, a day uh, since the start of the uh, of the pandemic. Well, uh, we would love to have him
1: over. They do
0: say a change is as good as a holiday. (laughs) There you go, Chris. Come to our house for a holiday. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about uh, cleaning or COVID or anything else. We're here to talk about the boys. Um, If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, do make sure you subscribe to us over on tvpodcastindustries.com. You can get all of our podcasts over there. We're currently covering Lovecraft Country as well, uh, the Horror Podcast alongside the Superhero Podcast. We're doing an episode of each of those shows every week uh, as we go uh, go to the end of each series. So uh, that's lots of fun doing the boys on one side and uh, Lovecraft Country on the other.
3: A slight difference, just a um, bit. Both homicidal, yes. Both homicidal in nature,
0: and both very called. adult, and both contain a lot of blood. But the similarities yes. kind of end there. Um, and both, both very contain good.
3: potential gods or mm. perceived gods. Yeah,
0: maybe. Yeah, maybe we haven't mm-hmm. we haven't really seen uh, the godlike creatures uh, other than a quick glimpse uh, in a dream in the first episode of Lovecraft Country. There you go. That's, uh, that's our uh, our summation of Lovecraft Country so far. But it is absolutely brilliant. If you haven't had the chance to check it out, uh, it's up to episode three at the moment, episode four will come out uh, on Sunday this week. Um, go check it out. It's a really, really good
2: show. Yeah, definitely. Highly recommended.
3: Yes, but if you want to hear more of our summations, as Derek said, make sure you head over to tvpodcastindustry.com and subscribe to us and all good or evil, vault or Boy-related podcast catchers. Or... Why not head over to patreon.com slash where you can throw us a dollar and help fight the soups, the scourge that is the soups, by helping us keep the lights on and the podcast going because we are the true voice of anti vault st- whatever. I don't know. This th- This was a bit that was going really well and now it isn't. <laughs> you so, so anyway, close, Chris.
0: All you people. did it was one more word, anti vault sentiment, the there true voice go. of anti vault sentiment. There you go.
3: Yes, thank you. That is so much better. But (laughs) if you want to support us, we will love and cherish you and thank you very much. But you can also support us by just leaving us a review, sharing the podcast, because sharing the podcast is also sharing the love. And why not send us some feedback on what you think of The Boys or Love Car Country? So head over to facebook.com slash group slash TV Podcast Industries, where you can jump in and leave feedback for us or go over to tvpodcastindustries.com. And you can record a short snippet of yourself giving your feedback and you'll hear your dulcet tones on our podcast. Mm -hmm. Don't want to go to the website? Why not just send us an email with your feedback? You can throw us your voice recording or you can just, you know, the old tickety-clack of your keyboard and send us your thoughts there to feedback at Mm tvpodcastindustries.com. I think that is enough for now.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we'll be going weekly on The Boys. Uh, From now on, we're going to be recording our episode Three podcast about the boys tomorrow, Saturday, the 5th of September. So if you're in in time, you can send in your feedback on the first three episodes and we'll discuss it on that one. And we'll discuss your thoughts on every episode for the rest of the season as well. Thanks so much for that, Chris.
3: No problem. But gents, I think it's about time we jump in to the boys season two, episode two, because we like tripping over our words. Proper preparation and blending. <laughs> Proper yeah, preparation and planning. Proper yes. preparation, preparation and planning. planning. You know, Oof, the this, three P's.
0: Yes, this is an army term. Um, so everybody that's in the army will uh, be very unhappy with you guys for not being able to do your proper pre- preparation. <laughs> See what happens Proper preparation, preparation happens planning. when I try. Uh, yes. Uh, yep, this episode was directed by Liz Friedlander. She directed JJ, Jessica Jones, season two, episode 12, Pray for Patsy. So we have talked about her on the podcast before, back in the days when we used to be Defenders TV
2: podcast yes, we still are We're just waiting for the next Marvel TV show to come out still at heart we're yeah. winter Soldier yet. and Falcon
1: mm hmm
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh-huh. can't she, wait I will I will say Liz does like her peas. Yes, she does. To pray for Patsy, uh-huh. and now uh, proper preparation and planning. There
2: you go, exactly. <laughs>
3: exactly. Wow,
2: she really is into pee. Well, I could be
0: also the writer responsible for the episode. That's Rebecca Sunshine. Uh, she wrote two episodes of season one uh, of the boys. She wrote episode six and the awesome season one finale of the boys. As Great well. so, stuff. Uh, so some uh, proper credits there for uh, for this episode. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for season two, episode
2: two of the boys? Sure. Starlight, Queen Maeve, and the new arrival Stormfront head off on their PR tour. Girls get it done. But when Queen Maeve is called away for a family emergency, Starlight begins to realise after a conversation with Stormfront that she needs to be less vaughty. And then the shock as A-Train makes a surprise return to the Seven during the PR junket. What exactly does he know about Starlight's involvement with Huey and the boys? Meanwhile, back with the boys... Billy Butcher looks to find his wife, Becca, and get them all out of trouble with the CIA, as a lead from Mallory allows them to track down a super terrorist who has a family connection with one of the group. Elsewhere, Homelander looks to connect with his son, Ryan, as he makes it clear to Becca, he's going nowhere. And he certainly makes that clear, doesn't he? Yeah, he really does. Like, Anthony Starr, again... I love what he brings to this role. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is, you know, Homelander is ultimately, like, obnoxious and repulsive. And he is so, so good. Always. uh, With the threatening menace. Wow. Mm You know, you just expect red eye. Yep. Uh, and then you get blowout eye from uh, from Becca. Exactly, exactly. All the time, always scared about how he's going to destroy everybody around him. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: but I'm sure we'll get on to talking more about Homelander as we get through our main points of this episode. Uh, once again, in case you haven't listened to the podcast before, the way we cover the podcast is we talk about our boys or the protagonist moment. We talk about our seven moment. Or antagonist moment, and we talk about any other outstanding moment from the episode that we want to talk about. Each of us taking one point each. Chris, do you want to give us your first protagonist moment? Your, your moment from the boys
3: that you liked? Sure. Uh, boy, boy, boy. Boy, 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 boy. Uh, I'm not just riffing on the boys. Uh, no, this was the female and the boy that we finally understand the boy that she was trying to talk about mm-hmm. and, and spell out in episode one, which is none other than her own brother, her mm-hmm. flesh and mm-hmm. blood. So this was really the moment, my big kind of moment. I know it encapsulates quite a lot, but we do find out that the the new soup villain, soup terrorist. Is none other than uh, Kimiko's brother. Mm-hmm. Her, the, we seen him in the uh, first season when she was uh, pulled away by the Shining Light Liberation Army. Mm-hmm. Um, and they essentially they had they once they knew that the Compound V had worked on her and she was lost to them, they had used her own brother as uh, essentially a, a replacement. Yes, so that she they had one shot left of Compound V, and assumed since their genetics were quite similar, they shot him up. And he gets, he has this telekinesis power. I'm kind of, I wasn't a 100%. I haven't seen him move other objects. He He's able to push and pull. Yeah, So be it, I'm not sure if it's gravity or telekinesis, but he essentially, it's a very completely different set of powers than what she has mm-hmm. she is obviously in vulnerability super strength agility kind of thing
0: although there is a moment uh in the battle against each other where i think she does try and use a similar power and they both kind of block each other until he faints and dodges what she's doing so i'm not sure actually um i thought there was a moment where the two of them seemed to be battling with their powers i'm sure you're going to talk about the actual fight itself in a minute but i did think there was a moment where it looked like they were kind of pushing force fields against each other almost but maybe he was just holding back because it was a sister for a second but i I don't know was
3: this the the bit where she jumps and she's in the air and so there was in this battle which we'll get to she jumps in in the air Mm -hmm. uh as about to grab him attack him and he freezes her and kind of, like, catches her midair. Yeah, that's what and I thought. They, they look back and forth, and a, a moment passes. Yeah. And she's kind of snarl not snarls, you can see the resolution yeah. in her face. She says one other thing about the Shining Light Liberation Army. He then rebuffs her and essentially says, no, I'm not going to go with the boys. The, the Americans are the bad ones, and fires her off into the building. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. caught it that it was more that he that they had this kind of tit for tat and then he threw her out right. so potentially no we, like we'll get into it later in chris's corner uh, the her powers haven't been described well enough in this tv adaptation mm-hmm. to say maybe there they may give her some form of it but essentially no right now from what we know i took it as that they're, they're very different power sets okay okay um cool. Overall, this was really cool because what we're learning is from a multitude of things that first, the Shining Light Liberation Army is still going Mm -hmm. and they're still in, they're still in the United States. They have their own cells. So that prop costume shop, we see that the owner who Kimiko kills Mm
0: -hmm. viciously,
3: which was cool and rips Um, his
0: actual head off. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, she, we see that, um, essentially he has the big tattoo uh and that that it's a front because we mm-hmm. see bomb making equipment uh like we were kind of led to believe that they were just a cell originally from season one but it yeah. seems they're kind of quite bigger we do see that they're more resolved now because what i assume is homelander invaded the, their town again uh the the, the flying one with uh, uh Burning eyes.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, they decide not. Uh, we don't hear actually say burning eyes. I think it's that uh, the, the what, someone swooped in and was flying over the village, yeah. and then also there uh, someone kind of said it's ripped an old lady in half. Yeah. Um yeah, Mouse, so-
0: Mouse, Mouse, Mouse describes it as that he ripped an old woman in half, that he destroyed a school where the children were screaming and didn't relent to their calls. Um it sounds like it's Homelander, definitely. Uh, we don't know many other soups with flight, but again, could have been anybody um that, that we don't we haven't met yet that could have caused it, yeah. but it sounds like this is Homelander because remember in season one he did leave the US, destroyed an entire village and came back and yeah. just to kind of vent his rage basically that he couldn't do this kind of stuff because he yeah. wasn't in the army was the way that it, that it was kind of seen so very likely that it's Homelander um yeah
3: or it could be Black Noir so we know that he is doing uh activities already mm-hmm. from episode 1 for the the US which would be against soup terrorists yeah so this could be um uh, and we we definitely know he has no qualms with killing. Yeah. Um. So it's just the child bit through me. That's where I'm leaning more towards harm Homelander. The fact yeah. that she he mentions Mouse mentions the school and the kids, yeah. and we see from the app ep, from episode one that Blackguard doesn't kill the child. Yeah. Um.
0: But I also think the the idea that the village has been burnt down is exactly what Mouse says. So that seems yeah. more homelandery. Um, yes, exactly. So, and Black Noir was on a specific mission there. It sounds like Homelander again was taking out his rage on a foreign city, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Uh, but also, yeah, as, as we as we said in that in the costume shop, there is the massive fight where we where we learn all about the boy the boy's powers. Uh, did anybody else get a get a vision of like playing Pictionary or uh, Cranium where you can't use a certain word and you have to describe it? That's what's going on with uh, with the fifth. <laughs> Kamiko, when she's trying to go, you know, okay, can't say brother, have only a limited amount of words, so use boy, girl, boy, 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 boy. <laughs> it's like, boy, she boy, com- boy. Com- she's completely right. If I'm a girl, and I, and another word for girl is sister, so the word for boy is brother.
2: <laughs> she's trying to get there. You know? Well, I wouldn't mind. I, it's really, it's really funny because the Shining Light guy who got his head taken off, mm-hmm. I w- didn't realize that was a tattoo. I assumed he was wearing a t-shirt like it was branding <laughs> yeah. or something like that. So I was kind of like going, how stupid is that? So that they recognize it. They've got their logo effectively. <laughs> I suppose it is a bit like the all, all bad supervillains. Mm-hmm. They have their logo, but I, I kind of thought it was a t-shirt. It's like Hydra um, and Shield. John. Yeah, exactly. Always be branding. Um, I was like, okay, now they know it's the the shining light liberation army. Uh-huh. Um yeah, I I loved I loved this. I loved that it was um, her brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a nice little throwback because we we saw the flashback, didn't we, in season one? Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I just thought it was still kind of bang on point for Billy Butcher to still try to kill him, <laughs> even though oh. he was being warned that it was uh, Kamiko's brother yeah. by by Huey. Um, I thought I just thought that was so on point for for Billy Butcher. Um, dare I say it? He, what a. But you don't What a dare nightmare! Say turn, no, I'm exactly. Yeah. What <laughs> a nightmare. Well, you know, it is it is totally par for
0: course for Billy Butcher. Anybody with V in their system is considered an enemy of Billy Butcher. That's as simple as it is. But also, we we know there are other reasons why he was going to kill uh, exactly. This guy, you know, he's got but, he's
2: got reasons for it yeah. for sure. But yeah. even
0: throughout season one, he was going to kill the female. The whole way through, she, she yeah. had to be protected by Frenchie, by Mother's Milk, by Huey, because. Butcher just couldn't get past the fact this person is exactly like the bad guys that I've been trying to kill with every ounce of my being. So uh so yeah, t- totally expected that he was still gonna pull the trigger. Uh luckily Huey stood in the way. But yeah, another little uh, wrinkle in their relationship again. I don't think they're uh they're making up any time soon. Uh Billy and Huey, I don't think they're they're gonna get back together any time soon. They seem to be uh constantly distancing themselves from each other. But uh
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, absolutely. That's kind of what that's a rift from the end of season one, that finale where Billy just leaves them. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think by the end of this boy 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 piece, we do see they've captured um Mouse. Mm-hmm. He which is a bit weird. They've knocked him out. So basically, what we see is the female kind of choke holds him to, uh, to unconsciousness. Mm-hmm. Then they duct tape his hands and throw him <laughs> in the back of a van.
1: Yeah.
3: I was like, can you can you not like sedate, sedate him a bit? Or just to, like a bit more than just here's a bit of duct tape. He can't use his hands. Ah, oh, his one weakness. <laughs> I'm like, uh, you're putting <laughs> yeah. him in a moving vehicle. People c- like, I'm pretty sure this is dangerous. But anyway, they capture him and we're we're gonna see where that leads to. But you're right. Um, the rift. That grows literally in these few scenes is huge and it's going to have knock on effects for the, the whole series, Absolutely. especially with how it leaves the boys as a team.
0: Exactly, Chris. Yeah, it is the female's chokehold, you know, um, yes. so maybe she maybe she knocks him out for for a couple of weeks um, with her with her particular <laughs> method, because it was quite cool, actually. But uh, after that fight, it was cool.
3: Yeah, and I, I'm just worried to see. I, it's interesting to see where this goes, especially mm-hmm. from that relationship part, yeah. not in her relationship to the boys, but more just the relationship in now with her soon-to-be very estranged brother. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. But uh, so that's kind of my big boy protagonist moment. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, that this it was a great fight scene that we saw. Very small, as uh, few seconds of the the power sets. Um, I enjoyed both of them. They, they, you can see that they're, they're not scrimping on the powers, Mm -hmm. which is good, especially when you kind of have this, but it doesn't need to be over the top constant usage. It was just a very, like, the destruction scene in the costume shop was brilliant. Mm -hmm. And then throwing the female up and into a random building, I was like, that looked good. It's great like, to You do could work. have easily yeah. done that off screen. Definitely. But they it. just did a very small bit, and I was like, yeah, no, yeah. nice. I'm, I'm
2: surprised any of the, the boys survived being covered with all those cabinets and, and the rigging. <laughs> I was yeah. like, they... They came out of that pretty well, to be honest. They certainly did. The costumes are very soft. That was what it was. <laughs> That's exactly where it was. Uh,
0: John, do you want to take us on with your protagonist or your boy's moment for the episode?
1: Well,
2: I think it's it's coming to that estrangement between Huey and Billy Butcher. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the moment here where Huey in that shop gets the, the backing uh, from Frenchie and Mother's Milk, who mm-hmm. kind of have been fairly quiet and kowtowing, really, I think, to... To Billy Butcher, but finally he he gets their their backing when you know it, it takes Milver's milk actually to point it out to to Billy Butcher uh, that uh, you know Kimiko is one of one of us and um, you know why are you trying to kill a brother? Yes, he's a soup terrorist and he's got his reasons because he wants to get back to his own wife Becca uh, and all of that. But ultimately, it comes to this moment. And I, I like the whole thing with Mother's Milk because, mm-hmm. you know, Billy Butcher, he's a great character. I love the way he tries to just flip it back to Mother's Milk. Well, is she more important than, than you getting back to see your wife and, and daughter? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, but she is one of us. And I just thought that was a really great moment. And, of course, we've seen through here um this, this season so far, Huey really at odds with Billy Butcher and yeah. um, really kind of wanting to strike out uh, in a sense on his own. You know, he's been trying to get Frenchie and Mother's Milk to sort of sort of bring their A game really and, and to continue this fight against Vought. And um, whereas they've kind of been sat back waiting for, for Billy Butcher to return and yeah. be there their captain so i i liked here that they kind of finally sided with with huey mm-hmm. uh, as he stands up to billy butcher but ultimately billy is still not happy mm-hmm. um and you know you get that that right hook from him right at the end of the episode mm-hmm. on, on huey and if you come between me and my wife again then i'll kill you yeah so There is no love lost here at all. And actually, I was just thinking back to season one, you know, yes, Huey followed Butcher, but Butcher was only using him anyway, mm-hmm. so it's all th- this relationship is massively almost non-existent, and um, you know it, it's in, on a thread. Absolutely, really, yeah. um, I, I, I was, so I, was, I really
0: like that dynamic within the boys. Yeah, absolutely. And as Huey pointed out, he did leave them behind. He didn't. He wasn't involved in that big battle that they had at the end of season one. That was that was purely Mother's Milk, Frenchy, Huey. Yeah. Getting to the female—that was the big battle that they had, and and it was Starlight that came in and helped them out. Butcher was off dealing with his own stuff because that's Butcher. He's not actually a leader of this team. He wants to accomplish his goals and has kind of hired these guys to help him yeah. accomplish his goals it, rather than them being a team.
2: Definitely, it, yeah. this this is the thing. I mean, he really is a see you next Tuesday uh, kind of guy, really, because yep. um, you know Butcher really he tells them nothing other than what he needs to drip feed them. Um, and yeah. he uses everyone. We saw that with Mallory earlier on. We we see it again where ultimately because Huey has managed to get um, Frenchie and Mother's Milk on board, then he brings up Becca. Mm-hmm. Um, to which point, you know, Mother's Milk's straight on him. Is this just one of your games to, to get us to come back in line kind of thing? And that's yeah. it. Billy Butcher is absolutely a one-man show. He'll tell you, what he needs to tell you when he needs to tell you mm-hmm. for only his reason and yep. for no one else like he is in effect not part of this team mm-hmm. it's this loose affiliation in effect and yep. um, so i i just i mean that may be quite obvious to some people but it's sometimes you forget and it, i this really came back to uh put it in the spotlight for me but yep. um yeah, good on Huey, little old wee Huey. Absolutely, because it is supposed
0: to be that, you know, Billy is supposed to be the central character of the team, I suppose, but he's he doesn't seem like a leader. And I'm wondering, it's the second time now, second episode, we've had um, the question there, which feels like kind of a, a the season arc for Huey. The question is there. Who the hell is going to lead this team? Is it going to be you, Hugh? Are you going to be the one that leads the team? You know, And it seems really derogatory or deris- derisory from uh, Mother's Milk and Frenchie in the first episode, from uh, Billy in this episode. They're all asking him the question, are you going to lead the team? And you can see Hughie's looking at them kind of going, well, I will. Yeah, you, nobody else is. Nobody else is actually coming up with plans and telling people what to do to take down the soups, which is supposed to be our purpose here. Billy just keeps telling us what he wants us to do to get his wife back but not telling us that that's what he wanted in the first season. And now he's bringing it in at the point when we already had a plan. We already had something to do. We were already going to form together as a team to do something. And now he's coming back in and going, actually, no, I need you to do this because I want to save my wife. So Billy's not really leading the team is the open question here for me is, does this mean that by the end of the season we're going to have Huey actually stepping up to be the leader of this team, using Billy as the uh, the knife to take care of uh, the situations, using Frenchie as bomb expert to take care of everything else and mother's milk with his could be, you
2: know? It could be, while Huey doesn't know this yet, um, his plan with Starlight is still chugging along mm-hmm. um, and maybe this whole kind of sub- Uh, sort of plan that he is doing might help Billy Butcher out in the end somehow I don't know I can't really make any connections but it could just be his redeeming um, thing in Billy's eyes is that he kicks off a whole train of things at Vought with this um, sample of compound V that ultimately allows Billy Butcher back with Becca Mm
1: -hmm.
3: yeah it, it it's interesting. So we still need to know more about the boys back in the day. So when they were back doing their kind of black ops stuff mm-hmm. with Mallory, um, but it's we it's explained that Butcher is was always kind of the de facto leader of the the kind of he was a colonel he wasn't a colonel he was a sergeant or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It will be interesting to see, when we learn more about that, that it, that will explain that kind of, you no, know, boys, you do what I tell you. Like, I'm the leader of this group. Right. It's going to be more interesting to see how Huey takes on that role.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: There, there, this is an arc with the, from the comic books, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. As Huey becomes the butcher, butcher doesn't. Butcher okay. lessens his role yeah um, so it will be cool to see as Huey steps up if he does step, step up yeah because there is these amazing there's this as you said there's like the, 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 there's a dichotomy between the two in their styles in how they get things done Butcher is swear swear every which way throw everything at of guns a blazing mm-hmm. kind of that Punisher style yeah Whereas we can say Huey's a bit more of the thinker. He wants to plan it out. Yeah. Um, And we'll see, hopefully as the boys kind of follow Butcher's plan right now, that will fall apart and they're going to lead <laughs> back on or lean on to Huey yeah. again.
0: Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, just again, reading from the show and, and some stuff from the comic books that I, that I remember the way I would see it is Mallory was the leader, Butcher reported to him, Frenchie and, and Mother's Milk were involved in that team. Um, when Mallory stepped back, Butcher tried to step up to be a leader, but he's still just a, a an explosive uh, who wants to take out everything around him, whereas Huey would more naturally transition into the Mallory uh, position yes. rather than transitioning into Butcher's position, because Butcher is do it my way or F off, basically. Uh, it feels like... I have a plan, everybody. Let's all get together, use our talents, and go and do the thing we need to accomplish. Seems like the thing this team probably needs more than, more than butcher going, get your weapons. We're going to go out and blow shit up. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so that's the way I'd probably see it going as it goes on. But you're absolutely right, John. This is a, a really good point from the episode that they are starting to bond properly as a team. Uh, Huey, uh, Frenchie and Mother's Milk, definitely. And calling in that, or calling out that Kamiko is a part of that team now, whether, yeah. whether Billy's a part of that team.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Um, My big moment or my protagonist moment for the episode, I just want to call out uh, Becca's side of things uh, in this episode because she was such an unspoken character in season one. We didn't see much about her until towards the end of the season when we learned that she was alive and she was working with Vaught in the the labs, um, that she had Homelander's child at the end of the season. And I just wanted to kind of visit her side of it when she gets away from uh, from her son Ryan leaving out the piano lessons and tries to go back to Voss to kind of make them make good on the deal that she made with them, that she'd be in hiding, that Homelander would never find out about his child and that he would be kept on a leash away from her I really like this conversation that she has with um, with the doctor that's in uh, that's in there. Dr. Park, isn't it, is the is the uh, the yeah. scientist she worked with before the person that hit her effectively have a conversation on the phone with him. And he's kind of going, well, he's found out now and you can't really put the stopper back in the bottle once he's found out. You know, so uh, I guess just don't piss him off is, is the answer that Dr. Park gives, you know, because you know what happens when you piss Homelander off? He will kill you. So uh, just do what, do, do what he says. He'll get bored and walk away. Um, so becca is basically left in a place where she has nobody to rely on at all she used to be able to feel safe for the last couple of years effectively while her son was growing up knowing that she had people on her side protecting her but now the homeland found out they're just disavowing her now it's like yeah. that's up to you and if you die you die we don't really care kind of thing we
2: just want to keep <laughs> yeah. I, I love that corporate is like they thought it best uh Just not to antagonise him, and the 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 best or likeliest scenario is that he'll just lose interest and Mm -hmm. fly away. I suppose. Yeah, he'll get bored with his toys,
0: you (laughs) know. But I think if we've learned anything from season one with Homelander is when he gets bored of his toys, he will set them on fire and blow them up. It's not that he's just going to walk away and leave her alone. Yes, he might get bored. He might get pissed off at the situation but he's probably going to kill her anyway like that's basically what they've said to her here but i just thought seeing that part of her art i think it was just a a big moment for me from the episode
2: i think even just that thing right at the before that conversation as she's driving Mm -hmm. uh, and getting to that compound fence yeah you know where she um is being kept uh, what homelander calls it this 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 nice prison mm-hmm. um uh you know is she being held or protected and I think it is obviously the protection against homelander because he found out that she she was there yes so yeah
3: so I I took it slightly differently some of our listeners may have uh, read um Supreme power which was a max series mm-hmm. a kind of about Hyperion and the whole thing around that Was that he was an alien, but the US Army built this essentially fake town Mm -hmm. and walled it around and it was all guarded and you couldn't get in. But inside this gated community was all these uh, company and men and government and things, but all undercover. So they were all designed to look like a... Piano teacher Mm -hmm. within a community and neighbors and so, but they all worked for the government and they were just there to monitor this boy, this alien. Mm -hmm. I'm taking it this way, which was she's walled in. That because if you looked when she drove to the edge to get to the gate, the bar, the barbed wire and the other stuff was all on the other side. Right, was facing away from her. Yeah, so she can't get out. And essentially that. Yeah, like, these are all vault employees yeah. in this small town, and it's all there just to look after a Homelander's son mm-hmm. who shouldn't be alive. Yeah, Like, the, the whole thing was you couldn't bring a, a soup baby to term. Yes. Yeah. um, Kind of organically. Mm-hmm. So this is the first, and they're like, oh, we need to study this. So they're just, yeah, like, <laughs> she's in. It explains so well why... Yeah. She was never found. That, that makes the, a lot
0: because... of sense, actually. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably give a, a, a an example. More people that don't read comic books know that's the Truman Show as well, isn't it? That's the. the oh yes, the there you
1: go.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I th- you're absolutely right, Chris. You know, it, it's it is even called out by home Homeland later on. He he specifically says to Becca, "What's going to happen when your son wants to go to a McDonald's and, and or wants yeah. to go to a ball game? Wants to go somewhere, and you have to tell him." You can't because there's a wall there and you can't get outside that wall. Yeah. Basically. So, um, yeah, so it is definitely called that. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Good, good point.
3: They'll need, they'll need to call it out a bit more expressly, mm-hmm. which I'm assuming oh, they, will. they will. Yeah, they will. They will. Yeah. But it was just, it was nice that we're now those of us with the burden of knowledge and the, the, the fine eye of detail in that from season one, mm-hmm. we're able to go, Ooh, this is all making sense. now, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, so this the one thing I'm just going to call out. is The, the writing in this uh, scene between, as you said, even John, this between the Doctor and Becky mm-hmm. on that call is just brilliant. It's so PR speak. It's just so much fun.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it really feels like, yeah, corporate have made this decision that your life is forfeit, <laughs> basically. Cause, yeah. Because he found out. not Not by anything she did either. That's why I think it's such an interesting scene. She's like... You know, hang on a second. You said you protect me. Uh, now he's found me. I'm going to run away. Well, you can't run away. Um, now he's found me. You're going to you're going to put me in a new town and take me away and the kid away to protect us. No, we're not going to do that either. Just don't piss him off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's awful. It, but it's a really good scene. And, and again, n- nice to see stuff with Becca uh, in her own in her own right. I suppose as a character rather than just being uh, the. MacGuffin for Billy to to run through the season with. It feels like she yeah. actually got some stuff. So, um, that was my protagonist moment for the episode. Uh, let's get on to our antagonist moment. Let's get on to the seven, Chris. I think you've got one of my favorite moments. For the episode. <laughs> oh, what's your What's your antagonist moment for the episode?
3: Because of my musical tastes, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to subject anyone um, to my uh, my renditions of this uh, Gill infused slightly as uh, fishy smelling song no it's the uh, patton o'swald is in this mm-hmm. Woohoo! we got that's
2: um, what you're patton saying Oswalt. on this
3: <laughs> yeah. patton o'swald is none other is the gills and um he is tripping the balls with the deep um uh, he's not it's just this was brilliant. So we learned at the end of last year that Patton Oswalt will be in season two, and he is kind of reprising his voiceover role from. If any of our listeners have heard of Happy, uh, another comic book uh, adaptation, oh, okay. where he in Happy he is. Uh, a voiced over animated uh, imaginary unicorn okay imaginary friend in this he is uh, an amorphic uh, speaking set of gills I'm telling you deep. man uh,
0: Pat Oswald must must spend more time in front of a microphone than we do um, <laughs> yeah. he, he does the voiceover on so many shows uh, he's been and in, been involved in so many things Uh I, he's, I love his voice. I absolutely love it. But but it, he's so recognizable. Uh, the yeah. minute you hear it, we two of us were watching it going, who's that? Oh, Pat Oswald. He's here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Pat, so But they got him to sing in this, which is great. You know, we got the you are so beautiful to be uh, a duet <laughs> between uh, between the deep and his own gills, which is hilarious. And, I
2: love uh, that it opens up with him saying, bro, we've got to talk. Yep. I <laughs> love, love this. Um, like I really like the deep. I think uh, well, yeah. he's just so well done and having Pat and Oswald as his uh, gills that have come uh, to speak to him and sing to him and, and, th- Inspire, inspire him, (laughs) provide him with therapy. Probably slightly better than Carol, if I'm being honest. Carol's not a therapist. (laughs) uh, Then I just uh, this was awesome, Uh, and even just he uses his first name. He goes Kevin. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Get it together. Really, really like it. And the Goo Goo Dolls were playing as well when it, and I love that track. I thought you would. Yeah, Iris. Yeah. Yes. Of yes, course. I absolutely cool. love that track. And just seeing I know they the have deep.
0: another one. I know they have
2: another track, but Iris is the track. <laughs> that, that is that the everybody big remembers one. So, yeah. And, and just having the deep kind of singing along and you know, does he's like, Eagle, is that you? Kind of at the door, and then it's like <laughs> it does the way he opens up his, his uh his uh top and he's like <gasps> and closes it back again. It's so good. <laughs> love it.
3: Yeah. This for me was just brilliant. I hope that for whatever reason he continues his special magical trip and we get Pat Oswald throughout this season, <laughs> I do not think it will be the case. I think it's no, a I one think and so. done. Yeah, um yeah. but yeah, no, for me this was just the, the brilliant this whole thing where the deep is going on a journey, a magical mushroom <laughs> journey. <laughs> um it's just it's it's great. And it's gonna be interesting to see now that he's had this heart to heart or gill to gill mm-hmm. with his gills, um, where now that will he join their version of the Scientology uh-huh. um, to return to the seven? Yeah, um, yes.
2: Well, there was an interesting thing that Carol said there when when the deep kind of says, "Carol, if I'm if I'm being honest, I don't know what you want from me." Uh, you know, and she she goes over to the eagle who comes in and then makes... The eagle makes up his mushroom tea, the hallucinogenic tea. Uh, But she just says, there isn't a path here, Mm -hmm. uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. Just the way she kind of delivered it, it's like, um, maybe it's that spiritual path that she's talking about with regards to um, her the Scientology movement that she runs, mm. or is it this path to some kind of influence and control of the Seven at Fort, which I presume it must be. I think both um, of those
0: things are the same thing. Well, right? okay, maybe. Yeah. And yeah, Not, you know, not to, the, to completely disparage uh, Scientology, but that's effectively <laughs> the path to controlling Hollywood <laughs> is through Scientology, it seems, as well. So um, I think that's, that's the reference that they're using. Yeah,
2: it. and just the... Um, you know, the Eagle is a disgruntled employee of Vought who hasn't maybe made the Seven like he thought he might do. Uh, Perhaps, yeah. Because he's just got um, bow and arrow. Or
0: else he feels completely convinced in this uh, religion as well, because you don't don't know for definite that he's working with Carol for exactly the same reasons that she may have. Um, We don't know yet.
3: Yeah. 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 I, I do really, really hope that they have their version of um, I was going to say Elon Musk, but it's not. It's, uh, L. Ron Hubbard,
1: uh-huh. their, their, their <laughs> version of the, the, the supreme leader
3: yeah. who yep. is going to, be, who believes in what is Zion and all these aliens. I want to see their <laughs> interpretation of what Scientology's background and, mm-hmm. and beliefs are. Cause I think Er Kripke is just. Well, I, and his writing staff and the rest of the the, the, the writing room, writer's room will just be... It will be just cynical enough yeah. that it's going to be bloody hilarious.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and I, th- I think they'll have enough creativity to make sure that it doesn't look
2: exactly like
0: uh, well, Scientology, <laughs> but it'll be anal- anal- analogous to it. If yeah.
2: they can take on full Christianity in season one, True. then an evangelical Christianity will then certainly... Scientology is going to be like a, a flick of the That'd fingers.
3: Be easy. You, oh exactly. my God. Do you think they'll do like the spaghetti monster? <laughs> like, you know, the, the, the church of spaghetti monster? or
1: the, the, They probably a, will. There
3: is a church of spaghetti alien God. or so. I know that this is a thing because they wear um, a colander on their head. Okay. I've seen this and it's a real oh religion. And this I is like,
2: like the tin hat. The Tinfoil Hat Brigade, or something like that. Oh, oh my it's goodness! Something,
3: but it's so funny. It's just and like some of the, some of the members are just doing it for the the, the sake of taking the piss. Oh, absolutely. The other ones are just like actually real, and they're like, "Yeah, we're I'm part of the Pasta Church." Oh, anyway, check it out. I think it's Spaghetti Monster Church.
0: Okay. Uh, that seems like a, a very
2: weird way to uh, end this point about the deep. Thanks, Chris. Um,
3: we,
0: I think
2: we're on hallucinogenic uh, tea as well. To I'm be sorry. honest, I meant to bring up water. Uh, I put—I
0: might have put a mushroom into it, uh, um,
2: <laughs> Yes, but it, he does
0: have the revelation as well that the reason why he treats women so badly is because he can't accept his own body, which is the big kind of revelation moment that he has. That is this.
2: true. Yes. Melissa Dubowski was more than just another finger bang. <laughs> God. I will, what his close this say. Uh-huh.
3: I will close this out. I will close the flying spaghetti monster religion, <laughs> also known as Pastafarianism. <laughs> uh, okay. So there you go. We will cut. Clo- Maybe oh the my deep God, will the a Pastafarian, not a Rastafarian, a Pastafarian. Uh, <laughs> but he may go from mushrooms to uh, other types of uh, (laughs) herbs and spices. So the the
2: amount of drugs that must have been (laughs) consumed to come up with that religion is phenomenal.
3: But maybe it's a lot of compound V
0: see what happens fellow boys and girls i give a perfect out to both of the guys to get us on to our next point and chris is actually just searching on the internet to bring us back to the point i got us out of so i'll just jump on to the next yeah. one you go check out Pastafarians on your own time yeah. <laughs> <Chris>. <laughs> so john.
3: john do you want to tell us because derek will kill me very soon what's your seven moment
2: So dare I say it, bringing it back down to earth is fatherhood. (laughs) (laughs) With, um, with the, with Homelander looking to connect in with his son, Ryan. Um, you know, what, a raging disappointment. (laughs) His son Ryan must be at at some level with Homelander Mm, as he can't even throw a fast ball. You know, he's been brought up with uh, a sense of normality and a, a a, a regular day to day upbringing. And of course, Homelander wants him to be, you know, breaking the sound barrier like he did uh, when he was growing up at, at that age. And um, I just thought this was absolutely so well done again with this kind of look of disappointment on Homelander's face. Yeah, at the same time, you know, he absolutely, now that he knows about his son, wants to connect in there. And even the him giving his son a mobile so that they can connect, that they can text yeah. and call one another and... Um, god that was so sad when it really him the was and, his,
0: and ryan goes well I don't, know to call. I don't have any friends but it, it like, well and it can was call me <laughs> yeah uh, <okay>. exactly <laughs> I don't at every
2: stage him. he's got to kind of yeah. sort of bring ryan along and say well you can call me and then he says i love you son and he's like this is where you say i love i love you for dad's back <laughs> you know kind of thing and it's just so awkward um ryan but,
0: terrified about well, this whole yeah, thing like,
2: he really yeah. does he's clearly
0: been warned that you know again don't piss this guy off or you could lose your face you
1: that's <laughs> <As he> even <laughs> to with his eyeballs you
2: know but it, but in fairness it's like he has just had that conversation the the quote that's opened up the podcast mm-hmm. about you know it's hard being superior to every other being on the planet yeah i'd say that we're I've come gods. across a few people who aren't superheroes who have that view of themselves and it's kinda like, oh uh, and then it's like, You and me are gods and he's probably like going, I've just come from piano practice. <laughs> I'm I'm about to start on my maths homework and my mum's gonna be like tucking me in bed in a minute. Mm-hmm. What what are you drinking, homelander <laughs> or smoking? Yeah, um, And it's absolutely. I just love the sense of him trying to connect and feel his way and his son just really not knowing what the hell is going on yeah. and not really knowing how to connect in with him, which obviously shows that he is Homelander's son because Homelander basically has social awkwardness himself. He certainly does, like for big, time. very different reasons.
0: Yeah. He has social yeah. awkwardness because he so had no parents. This and could be the, anybody that tried to come anywhere near him. But it was killed when he got bored. This
2: could them. be the genesis of it, you know, because mm. he does say, "My dad never played ball with me," yeah. um and in effect, Ryan hasn't had that either up till now. He's mm-hmm. had no father, so like. But I, I just really enjoyed this, and again, just what Anthony Starr brings to that sense of menace, mm-hmm. even when he's speaking with Ryan. That 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 whole thing in the bedroom where I suppose Ryan isn't reacting to him the way he probably would expect him to, to Mm. say, I love you, dad, or, oh, great. Thanks for the mobile. Yeah. And you just, okay. Is like, has he got any shred of morals or whatever? And, and I suppose as well, just because of the menace towards Becca, it's all kind of bound up, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because, he, you know, he's seen that she's still got these photos of, of Billy Butcher. Yeah. And I think because, she, you know, she's still got feelings for him, she makes that deal to protect Billy Butcher uh, that you can see your kid and um, don't kill Billy Butcher, just yeah. drop him off, you know. And so just the sense of threat with Becca, um, like it, it's all... It's just all there Absolutely. in that house yep. with Becca, Ryan, and Homelander, Absolutely. and it, that 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 menace and yeah. that pressure to do what he wants. Mm-hmm. And you know, Becca knows this. Ryan hasn't really got that yet. You know, it's totally <laughs> Mate, yeah. threatening but it's massively like passive aggressive. I think he Holander. certainly doesn't understand why a superhero
0: walked into his house and said, I'm your dad. Uh, definitely doesn't understand that. Uh, I'm going to phrase my opinion about this uh, in the form of a question. Um, so what is Homelander going to do when he finds out that Ryan has absolutely zero superpowers? <laughs> uh, that's my opinion about it. It just feels like, you know, he came to term uh, as a child of a super, of a, of a superhero hero or of a, a Voss experiment and, um, he's lived this long and hasn't accidentally thrown a baseball two miles down the road by mistake. You know, <laughs> um, he's got, he's gotten to this age that hasn't happened. Are we going, Is are we going to the destiny? That is Ryan is just absolutely as normal as everybody else. Or Ryan actually is Billy Butcher's son, um, but Billy didn't see it uh, in his eyes because Homeland is the one that brought him there said, this is my son. And Billy went, okay, that's Homelander's son. Um, I don't know. It just feels a little bit like the pressure that's there. Of I'm a god, and so are you, son. And Ryan going, what the hell is this guy talking well, about? Exactly, <laughs> feels like maybe this kid has no powers.
2: But his eyes lit up.
3: Unless he that's his power, that, that he just be, has red
0: eye. Yeah,
2: he could. He could be able to look in the basement
0: without turning on the light. That could be. His power, <laughs> you know?
3: Yeah, the way I see it is he's gonna have no powers until like the final episode, right? Um, or this kind of the the. the f- the the last two, as we kind of start to wrap things up, that Homelander's going to go after Becky, uh, or Becca, excuse me, and uh, what will happen is the son will step in. Mm -hmm. We can assume that throughout this kind of season, especially with throwing the ball, that game of catch, that Mm -hmm. Homelander's going to continue to test him, and at a certain point he'll become really frustrated that he has no powers, and Beck is going to, like, Want to escape or stand up to Homelander? Homelander is going to potentially hurt her or start to, and that's where it will kind of net out that he stops him. Yeah. The way I envision this is Butcher's going to break in. Um. Open. <laughs> but Butcher's going to try and save Becca.
0: Uh-huh.
3: Homelander is going to go after the two of them. Up until that point, the son has no powers. It's going to be very bloody, and then at the last minute. The sun's going to step in. So either, like, probably Homelander's going to burn one or two of them alive with his eyes. Okay. And then out of nowhere, literally, he gets thrown across the room or he gets burnt himself or something. And it's gonna, you're going to see the the sun in the corner.
0: There you go, listeners. That's a patented Chris Jones prediction for the season. But Let's it's a good one, though. Oh, it on. is. I like it that. Is. I, I enjoy I, I, that. I get that. I get that for sure. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, good plan, good plan. Anything else on the uh, the father-son relationship there with, nope. uh, with Ryan and Homelander? Uh, one thing we uh, we didn't mention, actually, we, we noticed this the second time we watched the episode. Uh, do you notice this, Chris? Uh, Homelander calls back to Becca the words that she said to Dr. Park um, miles away from the house. He calls back to yeah. her that... Uh, I'm not going to give up like they say that you are. I'm not going to get bored. So to, to my mind, I was going, oh, hang on a second. Homelander has significantly bigger powers than we thought he did. He can. I, I know we saw it in season one. He can listen to specific things across the entire city. So he uses that power to have, uh, to eavesdrop on everything that Beck is doing. So I uh, just thought that was interesting to note.
3: I took it as, I I remember that power. I actually didn't take it as his power. I took it that, they they reported back to him already. So like I'm taking that like thought of already went so hey, Becca was out with us. Don't worry, we're not gonna remove it. Like this is your son, we're staying on your side. But your thing makes more sense.
0: Yeah, it's because what he actually says back to her is I'm not gonna get bored like yeah. they said I would. Yeah. You tell you tell them that I'm I'm gonna stay here. Yeah. Kind of and so. and
2: he's derogatory about the the doctor who was on the phone to her exactly. says, "You can go screaming to him if you want, but I'm not."
3: Yeah, that makes get more bored. sense. Yeah, that yeah. makes a lot more sense in terms of. Yeah. No.
0: Okay. Cool. No, didn't catch that. There you go. That's uh, that's just one that I just wanted to call out there because I just thought it was interesting. To see another another. Homelander power because he has got like he does seem to have every power possible in, in his body was he just given like 7,000 doses of V when he was uh, in utero uh, and that's why he has all the powers uh, interesting one though um, my one my antagonist moment for the episode I just wanted to call storm Stormfront because I Absolutely love Stormfront in this episode. She's got such a can't-give-a-shite <laughs> attitude. She doesn't care what happens. I love the PR, um meeting the uh, the in front of the repeated media outlets who are asking the same question over and over again. I love how she scoffs because beside her... Every single question that seems to be being asked of Starlight is, are you single? Are you single? Are you single? Are you single? And she has to come up with different words because she's speaking to different media outlets because that's what Starlight's used to. You see her on her own doing her PR moment earlier on in the episode where she's announcing the arrival of Stormfront, but she has to say it in different words for every radio station across the country, every TV <laughs> station across the country. You know That's what she's good at. But what Stormfront's good at is telling it like it is (laughs) really (laughs) Really good fun i love her her comment about uh you know when her phone rings and she goes uh who cares about about the rights of superheroes or whether boys are better than girls
2: as superheroes Uh, we just want pockets
0: (laughs) can somebody just get us
1: pockets
2: (laughs) excellent stuff that was awesome i love that she calls ashley ashy where, Mm -hmm. where she's basically gone dicks and chicks are in this together and you see ashley's uh, face behind camera where it's like, no, that's not on the script. Yep. She's like, calm down, Ashy. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was just really, really nice. It, and, it pretty
3: much, it looked like Derek's face as you just said that line. I
2: know, exactly. like,
3: oh, no, you're going off script, you can't say that.
2: Um, and, and she also, I think she's got this kind of little, you know, slight soft spot for, for Ashley because I think she knows that she can, like, rip the piss out of her so easily. She's just like, if she vibrates any faster, that stick up her ass will explode. <laughs> uh, it was just, it's just the way she, like, delivers them. Mm-hmm. It's it's really funny. I'm, they must have so much fun uh, writing all of these different things down, what yeah. they can come up with, um, you know, really I, I... creative
3: I'm so looking forward. Do you remember we got the bloopers outtake after mm-hmm. the whole season of one had um, aired? I can't wait to see the outtakes and the the kind of bloopers for season two. Yeah. Just because you know there's going to be so many of the, these Stormfront moments where they're yep. like, all right, just ad lib. Be, be that queen bee. Yep. Uh, and just kind of like, oh, it's going to be good.
0: Yeah. Also good uh, in the episode learning Stormfront's inspiration. I thought that was really good fun that her inspiration her greatest superhero is Pippi longstocking because she didn't give a shit about what anybody said to her <laughs> I think that's absolutely hilarious you know yeah. and i love that uh she even calls out you know that uh, starlight is such a pr machine so so b- bound by pr now that effectively when asked who's the greatest superhero her response <laughs> is homelander she just looks at her going how useless are you i like, know i you know, know it's not i don't mean someone in this building that can hear you i'm asking a real question here you know i uh, just thought that was really good fun
2: i, I I love when um, Starlight's coming to her because you know you, you kind of do get you get that sense of Starlight as well from season one a bit wanting to be her own person yeah, and then suddenly getting consumed by the corporate machine. And um, she comes over to Stormfront saying, um, "You know, I really like him, what you are saying. You know, that, that's exactly what I I think." And she, she goes, "Are you are you a Vault spy, Barbie?" are you wearing a wire uh and then the line that just made me crack up Mm -hmm. every time and what i said at the start of the podcast you're the vortiest vort in all of vort um i just thought that was hilarious you're you're so vort um she would be the one wearing the disney slut outfits um i suppose Exactly. On Halloween that's, and that's not exactly. the Pippi Longstocking. Yeah, that's exactly the gag from, from Stormfront, isn't it? <laughs> but I suppose the entire point, and we mentioned it last
0: episode, this is the cool thing about, uh, about Starlight's story for this season. She's undercover here, so she has to be the vaughtiest vault that ever vaulted to cover the <laughs> fact that she's stealing Compound from, uh, V from the company. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's really important that she's beyond reproach. So that's why oh, she's, absolutely. you know, even when Ashley's asking her, you know, do you want to take a break and go and get some water before you do the next thousand reads of that exact thing you've just read a thousand times before? And she's like, no, no, let's just let's just keep going. She is a good
2: know. two-face. She's cert- well, she's got a good cover, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's able to switch it on for Vought and... She's still in the doing the Huey thing yep. uh with the boys. Exactly, exactly.
3: I, I love Stormfront in this, but I mm-hmm. get the feeling that they're setting you up that really like this character and then hate this character by the of end. Of course. Like of they are course. building it's like she's the friendly <laughs> front one. It's great. Yeah. Um but yeah, and then we're gonna turn around uh and again, burden of knowledge on the character. I'm like, this is a bad character. When are they gonna do when are they gonna flip the coin? When are they gonna burn the the other side of the pancake? Um, it's going to be interesting uh,
0: <laughs> I've never heard Chris, that phrase Chris
3: Jones with <laughs> really bad analogies so. I love that I've that
0: phrase um, do they the one, burn the other side of the pancake there yes. you go I like yeah.
3: the one thing I, w- I will uh, kind of give an insight to and this is bu- pulling back the screen on our podcast uh, we were pulling our notes together and one thing that keeps making me chuckle is Google autocorrect as I'm typing uh, Stormfront into uh, our, our doc on my phone goes Stormfront
2: Oh, always. So, always so
3: every time I'm writing Stormfront it's coming in as Storefront it's autocorrecting for me so I can't wait until like more and more people on Twitter start kind of tweeting about Stormfront and just autocorrects the amount of Storefront Storefront is the best Stormfront. like it's just going to be hilarious it's and Chris
2: amazing. are you the Googliest Google in all of Google
3: <laughs> I have no idea what you mean are you wearing a wire <laughs>
2: no oh just I'm a wait. wide bra uh, Ah, yeah.
3: see I, I, I i'm not even sure where you'd hide a wire in that outfit anyway
2: i i'm gonna leave
0: this section with just uh my favorite line from storefront for the episode which was pippi longstock and would have bitten a d uh, yeah, yeah. so that does bring <laughs> up a question
3: though how how does she know about the biting of a d
0: Every single person in America knows about uh, about Starlight and the Deep because of the apology on TV, you remember, in season one? Yes,
3: I remember that now. I was taking it as a different... Oh, my God, I've actually just pulled in a different scene from the comic books into my head and imagined that was in season one. <laughs> okay, go. doesn't matter. Uh, okay, moving swiftly on.
0: Well, there you go. Once again, I didn't mean to beg a question. Uh, by my ending of this section, let's get on to the next section, our final section, uh, other outstanding moments from the episode. What else have we not talked about, Chris, or anything that you haven't that you want to bring up that we haven't talked about?
3: I'll, I'll just very quickly, my bit is girls get it done. Right. This yes. was just, just the, the tagline, the, the consistency of the marketing. The, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to give a huge shout out to the set designers and the, 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 the visual, the creative director, the visual director, uh, mm-hmm. for the choice of props and the, 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 the backgrounds and the, the cut ins of everything about girl get it done, girls get it done, girls get it done. And yep. it was, it's just, it's exactly the most corporatey corporate.
1: Corporate, <laughs> corp
3: of uh, I've ever seen, and it's just because they're 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 taking the mic out so much out of kind of that very corporate PR PR message, yeah. brand message that they're like, we're gonna run this one, we're gonna get you to say this, and this is how you're gonna say it, and like here's uh-huh. up until this point before girls get it done, it was Citizen Starlight, uh-huh. and you saw her kind of. Very much looking like a perfume ad uh, as she lounged across a uh, a kind of long billboard mm-hmm. and now it's suddenly changed to the three girls of the actual seven, but in heroic poses yep. and things like that and it's just so it's so perfect it's just yeah.
0: Absolutely. And what's even more perfect about it, because this if you've ever worked in PR or ever been involved in any kind of launch of anything, exactly what happens here yeah. is what happens at every PR event. Just before going out and doing their big promotional day, one of them goes, uh, I've got a family emergency. Off I go. <laughs> and then suddenly it's like, oh, I'll get a chair out of there. We lost one of them, it says Ashley. It's like it's just like as if someone's gone off a of wandering like children, you know, in her in her little PR mind. Um also, could be another little uh, insight. We were hopefully, we were hoping to get some interviews with the cast uh, over the course of the of their PR tour. It couldn't it? Couldn't organise it, unfortunately. But after this episode, I'm really glad we didn't get the opportunity to interview any of the cast because that media moment when uh, Starlight and um, and Stormfront are getting asked the same questions over and over again. I absolutely know that that's exactly what it's like when they're getting interviewed by podcasts, when they're getting interviewed by uh, all of the websites and all of the newspapers around the world because this is being released globally, remember? So and they're all being asked the same question over and over again. I didn't want to be one of those sites, so I'm glad we, we, couldn't, uh, we couldn't organize it. <laughs> uh,
3: we would never be one of those sites. No. We're, too, <laughs> we're too Irish and too jaunty. We would have made fun and light and... It would have been, we're more the Aisha Tyler of the kind of interviewers versus the uh, kind of Empire or IGNs. Not saying that they're bad, but they would they're have the more stock standard questions versus what we, if you were a soup, what would your power be? Versus <laughs> kind of like, all right, so you're going to get really drunk in one of these scenes. Like, what's your favorite drink? And like, what, why? Yeah. And would you, if you come to Ireland, do you have more of a pub person, a nightclub person? Uh, yeah.
0: So. i stay indoors for seven months person like the rest <laughs> of us are now um yes no I, I i didn't really mean the big outlets i definitely meant the smaller outlets if it's that ask the same template seven questions that yeah. they ask so uh, i'm glad we uh, we weren't uh, weren't going to give them those uh, same template questions speaking of ace taylor definitely want to plug the behind the scenes show for the boys half hour episode uh what's the first one on on season one and uh she absolutely takes it there, she says herself. I will not be outdone with how uh, with how explicit the show is in comparison to how explicit the questions that she can ask are. So uh, definitely check that out. It's on, uh, on Amazon Prime now. Too.
3: And YouTube. It's available also on YouTube. Oh, cool. Cool. Um, I will say they open with the C word, and I was very happy with that.
0: Of course they do. Yeah, of course yeah. they do. Um, that, that's it for your point on, on Girls Get Done, Chris? That is it. That wasn't a question. Apparently, I phrased, that, I phrased that like a statement. So I'll just, I'll just go, John. Uh, what's your outstanding moment from the episode?
2: Yeah, my outstanding moment is uh, I won't tell if you don't. Uh, yeah. The Starlight and A Train come to uh, a mutual, mutual understanding, and I suppose in this, Starlight really does kind of. Uh, retell the horror of popclaw's death Mm -hmm. um and what a train did to her effectively overdosing her with uh with drugs and uh i kind of just like how this built as well over the course of the episode from the surprise return of a train at the pr event to the kind of buffet thing afterwards where like he's constantly zooming up to her what's in your boot uh who are you texting when she's back at her apartment, when yeah. she's uh, on her burn phone to uh, to Huey? Uh, and uh, I, I just kind of really uh, like this, you know, the, the awkward moments uh, between Starlight and, and A-Train mm-hmm. here, um, where he goes, how does everyone feel about you helping your traitor boyfriend to escape, you know, mm-hmm. after she's trying to say, you know, they're trying to create their narrative. Yeah. Um, I suppose a day of PR will probably make you do that. Mm. Uh, but it's certainly uh, I, I just liked how this this tension between the two built to that moment where I felt she was channeling um the, sort of the final kind of words that um, Stormfront had, had mentioned to her about, Definitely. you know, where she says, drop the mask, it allows you to breathe once in a while, which mm-hmm. is um, not a COVID reference. Um, <laughs> and I like that moment where they just come to that tense agreement that uh, neither of them, at least at this stage, will say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I like how Starlight kind of takes that to a train because uh, like he was like a nightmare in season one Absolutely. and you can see you, you could see him almost with great pleasure saying I can't wait to see you know the skin being peeled off your back mm-hmm. and by face. um and face yeah. and body uh, by Homelander yeah. so I really kind of liked um, uh, this this whole kind of moment yeah. So Star- Starlight recognizes
0: this just a threat from A-Train. Doesn't he? Doesn't she? That's, that's the moment, isn't it? That's why she stands up to him because yeah. she says to him, if you were going to tell anybody you already would and I would already be dead. So you're not going to tell anybody. You're just trying to hold this over to me, over me. You're just trying to get me to do whatever you want me to do, basically, and be on your side. Uh, He's kind of well-known throughout the season one of having nobody on his side and just being uh, effectively could be replaced at any time. That's why he goes down the path of being so addicted to V that he's using it all the time to keep his power going over and over again. So it feels like he's almost just trying to get uh, Starlight to be in his corner almost, or at least do whatever he wants her to do. So he can feel like he's leading somebody or someone's going to uh, be, but be by his side, I suppose, in, in some sense. So uh, yeah, great scene though. Really, really enjoyed it. And I was wondering why he was so, um, he was so pressured in everything that he's doing. He arrives exactly at the moment that she's getting the V uh, from Gecko. She, he arrives exactly at the moment that he's texting. So he's watching her constantly as well. So uh, yeah, really, really good scene though.
3: Yeah, no, I loved it. I did think it was going to become a super powered battle for a second. Yeah, I was expecting another flare up right. of like him rushing around and her eyes going wide or like kind of her hands glowing a bit. Because yeah. yeah, it sounds silly when I say that her eyes going white or her hands glowing a bit. Uh-huh. Um, but her power, obviously, like she'd try and burn him or maybe set fire. I was expecting a bit of It was nice to see that he backed down. Mm. This is the only the beginning, though. I am expecting that that battle will happen very yeah. soon. Yeah,
0: yeah. There may there may be a, a retread of that battle, or, or something yeah. else might happen to A Train, unfortunately, or to to Starlight. You never know. Never yeah. know. Um, that just leaves me with my, my other outstanding moment in the episode. Just want to call out again, it's just a, just another moment that I thought was really good, seeing Queen Maeve back with uh, her ex, Alina. Um, we see that she's kind of still uh, the kind of next of kin, I suppose, for Alina, from for her workplace. That's why she's cold when uh, Alina has a medical problem and, and she sits in hospital with her for the day. But that's kind of always been Alina's problem with their relationship is that it's kept silent, that there's no um, there's no visible uh, relationship between the two of them to the outside world. It's only when they're at home together, the two of them, that they can actually be themselves. Elena wants more. Elena wants to go out to dinner. She can never do that with Queen Maeve. She can only do that with the alter ego. Effectively, uh, I think she even mentions that it's the alter, her alter ego. Her name uh, is is what appears on the next of kin sheets at her work. So there's still no connection anywhere in the world. But what's revealed here is that Queen Maeve is completely living in fear. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Like anybody that's ahead of an organization that gives them anything they want and covers up any bad deeds that they do, or anybody that's, you know, leader of a country that does any bad deeds and they get covered up. Like anybody like that, the power has completely gone to Homelander's head. Um, Queen Maeve tells the story of a producer who was trying to seduce her um, back at an event in, in Hollywood for the release of one of the movies. And next time, next day, he was found. In a burnt out office with his head in one room and his body in another. That was absolutely Homelander that did it. So, if Homelander will do that to somebody that'll just chatter up, what would he do to her actual partner that um, that she's been hiding from him? So, she doesn't want Alina to die. Uh, so, and I really like these scenes. I really like that extra layer again to uh, Queen Maeve's character. We saw a little bit in season one about her, you know, turning to drink because she feels the pressure of being stuck around Homeland with this guy that's done so many bad things, but she even calls out here. It's not just the bad things he did. It's the bad things he's made me watch and the bad things that I did as well. So um, that he made me do effectively. So, uh, so yeah, just, just thought it was good here uh, seeing, seeing their relationship properly on screen.
3: Just question um, mm-hmm. before you end, because I'm not going to let you end. Um, <laughs> the, the producer was a Harvey Weinstein bit.
0: Reference, maybe.
3: Reference, yeah. Maybe I took it as kind of like, hey, like an overly friendly, um, uh, kind of producer who keeps stroking the leg and chatting up a, a kind of star. Uh,
0: maybe I, um, I kind of take it that that's uh, that Harvey Weinstein wasn't the only one in Hollywood. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, it,
3: just, it, it was a kind of ma- okay. I get it. Yeah, yeah. More a, a, a reference in general.
0: Yeah, kind of, yeah, I think I think it was a reference in general because I feel like she actually felt sorry for the producer that lost his head and his his office got burnt down because he came on to her, yeah, uh, rather than him doing the kind of things that Harvey Weinstein did to the women. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That,
2: you know, she mentioned did. that he was chatting her up yeah. all through the the screening and then was going to invite her out to dinner. Yeah. It felt yeah. like,
0: yeah, it felt more like uh, he, all he'd done was just mo- sat down beside her. That's all he'd done kind of thing. She was going, obviously, she had no interest, but she doesn't feel bad that this guy was chatting her up. That's just a thing. But even just with that little infraction, yeah. that means he's dead at Homelander's uh, hands kind of thing. So that, that's, well, that's the way I read it anyway. But, uh, yeah, no. But yeah, I understand. That's it for our main points for the episode. A uh, couple of notes um, for the episode. I've just got a big one because uh, I am an absolutely massive Prince fan. Uh, as you guys know, I know uh, Prince is probably my favorite uh, artist of all time. Um, and there's a moment in here with A-Train uh, when he's at his return party where he's sitting with the the cloud guitar. Uh, the cloud guitar is the most famous guitar that Prince ever played. He played it in the movie Purple Rain. It was on the cover of uh, Around the World in a Day, his sequel album or his follow-up album to Purple Rain. All Prince fans know the name of the guitar because it's that famous, and it also the original from Purple Rain sits in the Smithsonian in America. That's how uh, how well known or how uh, how big a guitar it is. And A Train basically is sitting in his room playing, or in at this party with this guitar in hand playing it. So if you know the background to it, that it's sitting in the Smithsonian, effectively what A Train's saying is. I got out of my coma and went, I want that and walked into the Smithsonian and took the original guitar. Cause he yeah. says, this is the guitar that Prince played in proper rain. This is basically another one of the moments where you see a yeah. train is also a member of the seven who wants, who wants something and goes and gets it effectively. So yeah. this isn't a replica. This is, this isn't that somebody gifted it to him. This is something that he effectively just took from the Smithsonian cause he feels entitled to it. So yeah. that's, that's something I thought was really cool. Um, As a Prince fan, I would love to have that guitar uh, on my wall, even though, just like I train, I can't play a note.
3: That was the bit I found funny. Can you play? No. Not at all. This is (laughs) Prince's
0: guitar. All right. (laughs) I have touched the guitar of greatness. (laughs) That's the one. Uh, One for you, John, uh, to mention as well, um, the actor who plays Gecko in this episode and the last episode. Um, You may recognize him as uh, the actor who played Scarecrow. Jonathan Crane on Gotham for the last couple of seasons. He took over from Charlie Tahan, who played uh, Jonathan Crane in the first couple of seasons of Gotham. Uh, when Charlie Tahan moved over to Ozark, where we've seen him for the last uh, for for three full seasons of that show. Yes. But uh, but yes, he's the actor that played uh, the final version of uh, of the Scarecrow in Gotham. Excellent stuff. Featured quite uh, heavily in,
2: in season uh, season five and six. And he gives a little kind of threat to um, Starlize. If she asks him again, mm-hmm. he's going to tell them. And she kind of uses that then on A-Train as well. Um, that kind of same threat yeah. as well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no. Uh, I like Gecko as a character. I mm-hmm. hope he kind of stays sort of throughout this this season just to see what he can do yeah because uh, like, he's there with an eye patch where they've been testing out um i think different chemicals in his eyes uh, shampoo, um, shampoo
1: to make sure and, that it yeah, doesn't exactly. burn eyes so,
2: they burnt um, his eyes so they burnt his eye out yes <laughs> yeah. he is basically a test rabbit
0: exactly exactly um is that it? anybody else have notes sorry those are my two
2: notes anybody else have any notes before we go
0: on no
3: massive notes
2: the only one i've got is just that obviously we see billy butcher with this piece of paper with loads of um crayon uh, writing mm-hmm. on it and that's from the the diner that he's kind of dropped off at by um homelander after mm-hmm. the end of season one after they've been at uh becky and ryan's house and um that's all his memories, effectively, of what he can recall about the house. So it's yeah. like it's it was yellow and all these different yeah. things. The sun was at sixty um, degrees at this time of the day. Uh, yeah, yeah so he, he's really just this is his kind of you know precious manuscript now mm-hmm. uh, as he tries to find his way uh, back to Becca. Absolutely, absolutely. Hopefully,
0: Mallory is going to help him out with that and decipher the clues that he's written down. If uh, if he brings in. Um, The brother of Kamika. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chris, anything for us in Chris's Corner for episode two?
3: Yes, so welcome to Chris's Corner, boys and girls. Ladies and gentlemen, roll up, roll up. I'm about to go deep in the source material of the boys. Now, please note, anything I say here probably will not happen because they've already veered off from the comic books. But (laughs) it may do so. Spoiler warning for the next three minutes, just in case. Basically, I'm going to go into the female, uh, because we have seen that the female of the species is more deadlier than the male. But more importantly, the female of the species, the female, um, Kimiko is different, uh, from the comic books. They have altered her origin story, kept major- some parts the same, but have altered her origin story. Okay. So I'll go quickly through the comic book origin and you'll understand why there are some differences. Um, so basically up first is that the female is the female of the species that is where she got her name uh, mm-hmm. because and it comes from Frenchie uh, she is one of the later members of the boys and um, kind of only being uh, the person really after that was uh, Huey mm-hmm. uh, but she's one of the first seen in that she's comes up in issue two I believe uh, her first appearances issue two of the boys, the comic book, so we see her from there. She's selectively mute in the comic book um so she can talk and she just chooses not to mm-hmm. um but she is the muscle of the group the same way um that she is in this, but right, she's right. a bit more violent. It's not until um issue thirty eight that we actually get her origin and it's it, this is a fun one, so I'll kind of go with me here so she's born in Japan. Um, to a single mother who works at the Japanese version of Vought. Mm. Um, so it, it's essentially, it's a, it, they have their version of Compound V and they're, they're doing that. Um, her mother is a secretary who works at a desk in this company mm-hmm. and is seen and called out as being too cheap, um, to hire a babysitter or childcare. So she brings, um, the child, her child, her daughter with her and the child lives in the desk drawer or under the desk <laughs> um, and is kind of always there her mother goes out for a coffee break in the room and uh, the female as a child baby goes crawling and crawls into the air duct and goes all the way into the test labs where she falls into a big old vat of compound B.
0: Nice, like the Joker mm. yeah,
3: Um <laughs> It gives her all her powers, mm-hmm. but also this urge to kill. Right. So you get these amazing scenes where, like, there's all these uh, kind of scientists running into the room, and there's just a baby in on the ground, and then you get cut back to all these dead bodies and a baby sitting in the middle of the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really <laughs> cool. They keep her imprisoned for years and essentially keep trying to extract her blood Uh, to basically try and replicate the, the success they've had with this because they could not get their version of Compound V to work. Um, she tries to escape for years and years and years, but then in the comic book, she's kind of rescued by Butcher and the rest of the boys and she's recruited there. Um, and yeah, that, that's it. She's never named as Kimiko. Kimiko is a thing, a name for the TV show. Mm, Uh, She's just only known as The female, and she only speaks, if I remember correctly, once at like right at the end. Right. Um, right. And it's, I'll give this one line away.
1: (gasps) Don't do it. (laughs) No,
3: but it's nice. And it kind of plays into the character here. What I remember her just saying, the one line is, I hate mean people. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. And then you're just like, yeah, that was worth it. That was worth (laughs) it. Um, Relevant here is kind of just in terms of. A really good one if you're kind of reading away. Uh, In issue 31, she has a epic battle with Stormfront, um, where she actually rips out one of his eyes with her bare hands. So I'm kind of hoping we get a (laughs) reference of that because it is really cool and I can see it kind of playing well in towards the end of the season. Um, But yeah, there you go. So female of the species.
0: Excellent. Thanks so much, Chris. Good to be back on Chris's Corner again. this Yeah, absolutely. This time.
2: Quick Uh, question. Does the female and Frenchie have a thing going on in the comics like they do?
3: No, no, they, they, no, it's, it's more of a brother-sister brother, sister. relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the comic books. Mm-hmm. And it's a real initial that he kind of, the Frenchies, the Frenchman, um, his, uh, kind of family, we went through his origin last season. It's mm-hmm. kind of like he, he has no family. So he kind of adopts her into uh, okay. this as a sense. Um, she doesn't have a brother or she has no family in, the comic books right so this brother, the brother uh, mouse is a kind of bit the shining light liberation army is a thing for the tv show right um that i remember i don't remember a terrorist group that had a well there's none that had a connection to her right right i i do wonder if they they have a thing in this is it more that they're going to be now that mouse is going to be captured frenchy will become a uh, a surrogate brother big brother
0: To both, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe. Maybe we'll just have to see. Uh, We will obviously discuss more of The Boys on episode three, uh, which we're releasing over this weekend. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the first three episodes. Email us to feedback at com with your thoughts uh, about any of the three episodes. Uh, We'll talk about them on the next episode. And then if we haven't got them in before we can record episode three, we'll talk about them on episode four. But overall, guys, what did you think of the second episode of season two of The Boys? Proper preparation and planning.
3: Chris. I absolutely loved it. Uh, this is, I'm so happy, as I said, in s- episode one review. Happy to be back with the boys and mm-hmm. the female. Uh, the storyline is zigging and zagging or also going straight. Yeah. Uh, that's a callback to the previous episode. See what I'm doing there. <laughs> hey. Um, it's, it's good. It's fun. It, it's irreverent, but at the same time being very smart. If you were eagle eyed viewer of ep- of season one, you're catching references and things like that. Uh, but at the same time, you don't have to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I can see some people may have jumped into season two. I know I will. I, will, I have no idea why you would do that. <laughs> I know some people do. Um, so they're giving enough that it's still a compelling story kind of dragging you on, dragging you on, bringing you along on this journey. Uh-huh. Um, I'm interested to see where they go um, with this whole soup, terrorist, supervillain kind of storyline. Because I think that should play out more. I'm also very interested when they're going to flip the pancake onto the burn side, as I use that analogy, for Stormfront <laughs> or Storefront, excuse me, Storefront. Right. Um, and kind of get show her evil side. Mm-hmm. So that would be interesting. Uh, yeah. But overall, yeah, really loved it. Really enjoying what they're doing. Can't wait to go on to episode three.
0: Excellent, excellent. The pace of this show, even in season one, with just eight episodes to tell its story, seems so much faster than almost every show that we're that we've covered. Uh, And this episode is no uh, no joke. Uh, Really gives so much for every character, and we see you know the the thread of what could be happening here with Billy Butcher and what he's going to be going after for the rest of the season and everything else uh, going on around both sides on the Seven and uh, and the boys' side. There's so much. detail being given in just two episodes so far so excited to see the rest of the season excited to go on to episode three john what do you think of this episode
2: yeah loved it as well um i give it four and a half biting pippy long stockings out of five (laughs) um yeah this was just great um i loved uh, the arrival the speedy arrival of a train back into the mix Mm -hmm. it's really uh, it's a new, another dimension it was yeah. great getting a fun time with stormfront on the pr mm-hmm. junket um i thought that was really good uh, i think like chris had said i suspect this is to build her up to love her uh for her sort of frank talking only for that to be her achilles heel mm-hmm. later on um loved homelander he's just phenomenal uh anthony star in this role um i love what he brings all the time mm-hmm. huey and the boys it this was really nice having um kamiko see her brother um and then for them to have that kind of disagreement and that fight uh like that was really it was great because they were so kind of warm and together in in the shop uh, and then all of a sudden it's a chokehold and he's been bungled into the back of their yeah. their van. But yeah. Um, are yeah. on the same side as well. Like the whole thing about what the brother's saying is pretty much
0: exactly what exactly. Billy Butcher would say. Look what the soups did. Let's go kill them. I've yeah. got superpowers now, you know.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then what is the not to say as well on The Deep? The deep. Um, again, great, um, great uh scenes here for chase crawford yeah, mm-hmm. was really good pattern Oswald as the voice so funny like kind of slightly uncomfortable uncom- and um, it, it feels like you you know a normal person talking to their groin or something like that <laughs> Um it was just really really good so I absolutely loved this episode uh for sure
0: excellent excellent we'll close out the episode as we usually do with our boys pub quiz question we had get our first question in episode one um john what's our question for episode two for our eagle-eyed boys and girls
2: yeah fellow boys and girls it is question two for episode two of the boys uh, you can send in the answer to feedback at Industries.com, and we will have our prizes for the winner uh those with the most points um at the end of the the season, which is eight episodes. Mm-hmm. So there'll be eight questions. But for question two, episode two, what family restaurant is Billy Butcher dropped off at?
0: Ooh, easy question, I think.
2: Well, it, it is if you give
0: any more clues. I'm not going to give any more clues. I think, I think it's mentioned a few times in the episode. Shh. So, yeah. Shh. It's good. It's good. Good one, John. Shh. Shh. <laughs> You can also drop over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash TV podcast industries where I'm popping up these pub quiz questions in each of our spoiler posts for the episodes of The Boys. Uh, drop in your answer in there and we'll count them up uh, see how many answers you get right. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back over the weekend with our discussion about The Boys season two, episode three, Over the Hill with the Swords of a Thousand Men ooh sounds Mm. bloody i like that that sounds awesome
3: (laughs) it's all about those big tongue twisting titles (laughs) yeah i got that
0: i got that in one shot no second takes for me (laughs) thanks so much for joining us we'll talk to you again next time
3: yes thank you so much and please send us any feedback that you want us to deep dive for chris's corner let us know is there an elementary question you have Make sure you send it to us and or ask it over on Facebook. Mm -hmm. But we'll see you for Chris's Corner and, more importantly, this podcast on Episode 3. See you soon.
2: Yeah, thank you so much, fellow boys and girls, for joining us. It's really uh, great to have you on board. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep voting. (laughs) Just keep voting. I like it. (laughs) Bye.
3: Bye, you vortiest vorts of all the (laughs) vorts.